Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. My golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn, Glenn Quarterman. Wow-wee. A proud Victorian parked permanently in the west who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me. Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who. And this is your favourite footy, footy podcast. podcast. It's unbelievable. Well, hello everybody. It is Thursday. It is time for the second edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 if you encounter any difficulties. In the studio with me, the man with incredibly small hands but a very, very big brain, Glenn Quartermain. How are you, Quarters? Good. Look at the big brains on me. Look at the big brain on Glenn. Mm. That's a very nice compliment. I'm not sure if you're right. <laughs> I'm not sure I meant it. <laughs> All right. So, Stuart Jew quarters. Yes. Let's get straight into the agenda. Gets Stu- two years. Um, I'm really pleased for him. I've been critical of Gold Coast, uh, but uh, good on him. It obviously quashes all the noise about Alistair Clarkson. I think Alistair Clarkson, if he's going anywhere, it's uh, a little bit further south, GWS. But, look, they are playing well. I believe they're on a trajectory to play finals next year. Uh, they get King back at the start of next year. He's got, I think most importantly, given the exodus of players we've seen at Gold Coast over the years, they've lost a first team, basically. He took a big stance a couple of years ago, and, um, you know, if you don't want to be part of it, you can go. He's managed to get these kids to sign, you know, to, to not only just to sign on contract-wise, but actually to buy into what he believes in. So I'm talking Rankine, who we've seen his form this year, Lacosius, um, King signed on before he did his knee for a couple of years. You've got Raul and Anderson who want to be a part of it. So they're, they're going places, and I'm really pleased that he, they've shown the faith in him, and he gets to be a part of it. Yeah, I agree. I think they've been very impressive. They've won seven games out of 15 this year, they've lost the last two by less than a kick. Yeah. So they could easily be sitting on nine wins. They could easily be inside the um, the eight, um, which would be a very impressive performance from them. I think they're too far back now to play finals. Um, but I think you're right. With Ben Kin back in the team, I think they should be thinking they should be playing finals next year unless there is a very good injury reason why they... Don't play finals. Um, the mail is is that Rankine will join the others and sign. Mm. Um, so they're basically going to be playing with the full deck again. Um, shame about Connor Boderick going down yeah, the other day a with the shame. second ACL. But um, they're tracking very nicely. That home game up there for them, Metricon, that's going to be a very tough trip for other you, teams. You, and make. you tipped that at the start of the year. You, you forecast that this would be the case. As soon as I saw them be as competitive as they were against Melbourne, I thought to myself, this going there is not going to be any fun. And you know I'm a glass half full guy. The thing about Conor Buterick is he gets to come back next year and possibly play finals. So I would be a bit harsher had he gone down 
with finals looming this year. So yeah, so he plays. He's got a good body of work behind him this year, and he'll get football next year. Mm. When it gets damaging, I reckon quarters is when they do it right at the end of the year. Yeah, and they basically a whole season plus the preseason is wiped out. Um, if you get to just play little bits and pieces here and there, even if you do a couple of them, that's not as damaging. I think you, they probably feel like once the season finishes, so he's going to have a tough oh, three months, um, July, August, September, but after that he'll be in the same boat as all his teammates. They'll be training you know, without playing games, um, so he'll cope with that a lot better. Uh, and further south, Mark Mavade this morning coming out and saying, uh, I, you know, I'm going to have an interview. I'm going to go through the process at the end of the season, as will Alistair Clarkson. And if Alistair Clarkson wants the job, very honest, he said, I'm conceding I'm coming from a long way back, which, of course, he will be. Yeah, he will be. It's an interesting one. The Clarko one, everyone just assumes that Clarko will be where Clarko wants to be, and maybe that is right. Um, but if you look at what has been able to have been done on the Gold Coast with Stewie Jew. Um, an unproven coach, uh, but a coach has got the players on side and has got them playing really solid footy. There is a message there that you know, the next great coach in AFL footy is just around the corner. And if you look at it's not just um, whether it's Mark McVeigh, whether it's Stuart Jew, someone like a Jamie Graham at Fremantle mm. has uh, he was greatly impressive, I think, at West Coast. He was very impressive in the coach selection process at uh, Collingwood, finished very high up in that, and I'm told impressed people the way, with the way he conducted himself. I think Fremantle's very impressed with Jamie Graham and the way he's conducted himself there. He's committed to them for the time being, but they are realistic enough to know that at some point Jamie Graham will want to coach in his own right. There would be five or six Jamie Grahams yeah. across the AFL. Adam Kingsley is one that springs to mind. It's got a really solid CV now. Um, there's a couple of others. You know, they've been in successful clubs. They've been in successful regimes. So, yeah, Clarko's a great coach. I mean, he's proven he is a great coach. And right at the start of his career quarters, he was a coach that showed he could develop and teach. I think that was really important. And you know the other thing that Clarko did and Hawthorne did? which was really clever as a club, they bought in teachers yeah, underneath him. They did. Play, play, former players. Um, Mark Evans is one. Chris Fagan was another. Yeah. People with the ability to teach, to impart knowledge on others, it's really, really important. You know, I was at Clarko's first session at Hawthorne at, at the old Glen Ferry Oval when they were training there. And I was thinking, what's this What's this like going to be like? And Ruckman Robert Campbell, they, they were doing laps, they, they were doing the old warm downs with their feet up on the um on the fence and he threw his hawthorn he threw his cap on the ground and clarkson came over and absolutely gave it to him about disrespecting the uniform and campbell was like incredulous like right eh? fair enough but i thought this is just day one and a message he's sending this is like you know i'll be a bit of fun and what have you but do not disrespect the uniform and uh, got him on the Kokoda track a couple of times. Got him at the uh, famous um, pillars, um, courage, mateship, endurance, strength. Those pillars, and got them singing the Hawthorne theme song. Got them all buying in. So he he was an innovative coach. Obviously, he took two or three years of. I can tell you, I was at a few of those games. We was a hundred plus defeats, but he he didn't sway from his belief and what he was trying to do with his cluster system. And um, so, look, I'm looking forward to seeing him coach again at AFL level. So I'm sort of hoping he gets that GWS job. But you know, McVeigh, 
he's really interesting what he's done too. He's got Heard and Solomon in alongside him. Heard showed great loyalty to him. Said, "Oh, look, I'm not interested in that job. I just want him to get the job." So it's going to be an interesting couple of months. They were great mates, weren't they? James Heard yeah. and Mark McVeigh. And the fact that that friendship has stood the test of time, I think that's a great testament to both of them because there was a bit of strain on it, you know, given what they went through mm. as um, during the whole supplement scandal. Um, so the fact that it's endured that, I think, is a great testament to them, to their friendship. Um, you're right about Clarko in the early days. I mean, I've, we were all a bit worried about him when he declared Zach Dawson to be their fullback no matter what and left him on Anthony Rocker yeah. that day. I think it was at Docklands and Rocker kicked yeah. 11-70 goals and yeah. ragged old Zach all over the place. Yeah. So um, it, it kind of did for Zach at Hawthorne, but he re-emerged as a, as a viable key defender at another club or two more clubs. So, mm. so you could argue that Clarko got that one right. Just staying with Clarko. Yep. Okay. If you were the AFL and you have a choice as to where Alistair Clarkson's next coaching job is, because I think there's three clear options. There were four, but now that Jew um, has re-signed, um, there's three. GWS, Tasmania, or North Melbourne? Actually, I reckon there's a fourth. Port Adelaide? Nope. Hawthorne's arch enemy, Essendon. Essendon. Matthew Lloyd was talking about it last night. It makes sense. If the Rutten situation doesn't improve, they've been awful this year, Essendon. Uh, I know because I picked them to finish in the top four and look very foolish. But uh, Mick Malthouse picked them to win the flag. There you go. But and, and credit to Mick. Mick's repeated it and said, well, what would I know? I tipped Essendon to win the flag. Former players and coaches like you to just forget those things and consign yeah. them to I history. I think Mick and I were drinking the same Kool-Aid at the time. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a f- another, another option. So, look, I, I'm not sure. I mean, if I'm the AFL, I'm probably thinking Tasmania. But And he, interestingly, only recently said, I don't want a quick premiership. I'm happy to go to a club for the long haul. So that was really interesting. Because if you go to GW, if he goes to GWS, I think they're in, they're in a bit of a window. But obviously, it's going to be a longer haul. If it was north, I'm just not sure if that's an option for him. But So let's just I'm, – I'm not talking about what Clarko will want. I'm saying what would the AFL want? And what they want, they'll get because they'll throw piles and piles of cash. So if I'm the AFL and I have regard for one of my um, – not a foundation club, but a club that's been around for nearly 100 years, to be honest with you, I want him at North Melbourne because mm. North Melbourne's in a world of hurt. And what could – if you wanted a measure of what North Melbourne's potential is, get Alistair Clarkson because nothing is going to bring the North Melbourne supporters out of the woodwork like a name like Clarkson coming to the You club. know the other thing it would do? It's a good point. We were talking about this with Gold Coast earlier in the year before the re-signings. All, all those players were talking about the wildebeest factor, so all these AFL clubs are looking on at North Melbourne's better, younger talent and trying to pick the carcass. If you're a younger player at North and you're thinking about leaving and all of a sudden Clarko jumps on board, you're like, hang on, I want to have a look at this. I want to see where we go with him. So I think it, that does make sense. The other thing that I reckon you can't rule out, now right now it's like Christmas cards at 100 paces with Tasmania and North Melbourne. Tasmania wants their own team. They don't want North Melbourne. North Melbourne doesn't want to relocate to Tasmania even though they've been happy to take $3 million a year to go and play games there. But if North Melbourne could be convinced to go to Tasmania in 10 years' time, I don't reckon 
Tasmanians will be bothered by the fact that it's a relocated team. So what are they called? A Brisbane, the Kangaroos, the Tassie Kangaroos. A Brisbane bothered by the fact that they were half a relocation with Fitzroy? No. A Sydney bothered by Fitz- the fact they were half a relocation from South Melbourne? Fitzroy's, that's an interesting one, Brisbane. S- South Melbourne, Sydney, it's interesting too because there are those who went with them. But are they many? I'm not sure. I think I think it actually helps the viability of the club. Even if they retain 10,000 fans in Melbourne, and I think they should have the capacity to retain 10,000 fans, by the way. Because, How do they do that? Well, mate, home games in Tasmania are a hop, a skip and a jump across Bass Strait. The hop, I like the hop. <laughs> Just hop over. Hop onto the able Tasman. And the other thing is, I think you could probably... At a push, you could probably set up a fixture where the Tasmanian team, relocated North Melbourne, plays 11 in Tasmania and 7 in Victoria. Yeah. So you'll get to see your team seven times. Don't forget that Fremantle effectively, because there are so many West Coast fans, not many Fremantle fans get to see the Derby, the West Coast Home Derby. Fremantle fans effectively see their team 11 times a year. So 11 versus 7, it's not quite the same, but it's still a fair chunk of the ability to go and see your team play. I think it'll come down to if there's no other option, then it's a good option. But is there another option? It's looking pretty dire. So so here's the thing. Alistair Clarkson has a relationship with Tasmania it's already. It's a huge relationship. He is a person that has credibility wherever he goes in footy, and that straddles a number of states. Um, you know, credibility in Victoria because of what he did at Hawthorne, credibility uh, in Tasmania because what he's doing there, credibility in South Australia because of what he did while he was at Port Adelaide. So he's a bloke that crosses borders. I just think Alistair Clarkson coaching North Melbourne may be a good way to leverage North Melbourne into Tasmania. If you got Clarko singing from that hymn sheet, that would be a big leg up for a relocation. Mm. Then you've got to get North Melbourne to the line. Well, North Melbourne minus the $3 million a year from Tasmania is a pretty dicey proposition. And I apologise to all the Roos fans out there. You've been amazing. The fact that your club is still around with the small supporter base you've got, that's an incredible testament to your support, your ongoing support of the club. But let's not forget, I think you played a home game at Dockland Stadium recently in front of 13,000 people. That's, that's unless there's scope to build that, then that's not great. Do they retain the colours? Yes. You'd have to. Yes. Would be unpalatable otherwise. Absolutely. You retain retain the royal blue and the white, the Tassie kangaroos, away you go. And I would argue you could almost do a thing where, like the, when England's cricket team plays a test match it's England and it used to be remember they were were on tour they were the MCC Mm -hmm. so if you were playing uh, the England touring team in a tour match i.e. West Australia it was Western Australia versus the MCC now you could have a thing where you have two different uniforms where there's a uniform for Tasmanian home games and there's a uniform for games in Melbourne which is more like the traditional North Melbourne strip and uh, well I would argue they should be the traditional North Melbourne strip mm. in pretty much every game they play in Melbourne um, with the possible exception of Collingwood who have the vertical stripes different colour mm. so yeah interesting now just changing subject um, great um, column today Paul Hazelby as always Tom Barras he's his first choice as West Coast's next captain 
Interesting. Maybe with McGovern with a little bit of a stopgap measure perhaps, but um, Barass, which is interesting on a number of levels. I can't say it's a poor choice. I think it would be a great choice. Popular among his peers, very steady. Um, seems to have a very cool, calm head on his shoulders. Uh, and it links well with history. They, put, they generally appoint defenders, don't they? Um, well, Darren Wusha, Glass. Wusha, McKenna, Glass, Hearn. The only thing I would say, a slight differentiation between Tommy Barras and Hearn, Worsfold and McKenna, is that those guys played higher up, which meant they were in touch with more players around the ground, able to use their voice more. Glass? Uh, to influence. Glass was deep. Yeah. So it, there's definitely a parallel there with Glass. Glass was your one-out key defender. Had a good captain. On the other. So uh, it works. So it can work. Glass was also a specific person for specific circumstances, wasn't he? Mm. He came at the tail end of all the scandal. Um, they wanted a person with a, a strong character, and, and Darren Glass was, you know, he's got the, the strong jaw. He's, he's like, yeah, he's your Dudley Do-Right type, isn't he? Yeah, you know, he's. A, I mean, he, he might have been a bit of a lad, had a few beers, whatever, when he was a young bloke. But um, he certainly came across as a bloke who, when seconded by the club to do the right thing, was going to do the right thing. Yeah, interesting to see how the, all that pans out. I reckon. Yeah, Tommy Barras is a very good player, mm. and he's a he's a quiet type. I reckon he doesn't make too much noise. I always like Shannon Hearn as West Coast captain, and I'm not saying. Luke Shuey is Hollywood George or anything like that. He's not. He's a Luke Shuey's a good, solid citizen, prepares very well. But I like the mix of West Coast lives at the Paris end of town. And I liked the fact that their captain was a down-to-earth farmer, footballer, fisherman. That's pretty much Shannon's life, you know, farming, footballing, fishing. And they're more likely, they were more likely to be a grounded group to me with Shannon Hearn as the captain. And... You know they've been, I don't know they've they've been an interesting commodity since mm. the the baton was passed. Now it hasn't helped Luke that Luke hasn't been able to get out there since the middle of 2020. Really, that hasn't helped at all with his hamstring issues, and that's certainly been a disruptive. So if, if he plays on, and they'll let him make that choice, I'd assume. But if he does play on, um, I think the the weight of captaincy being lifted can only help. Well, my understanding is that Luke offered them the chance to have him just step aside this year and they wanted him there for another year and they were probably wanting to see what happened with Oscar Allen mm. you know don't forget Oscar Allen is the same age as Andrew Brayshaw yeah now if Oscar Allen had stayed fit and kicked 40 goals they might have been viewing Oscar Allen as a captaincy option um, certainly Fremantle would view Andrew Brayshaw as a captaincy option whether that happens next year or not I don't know um, but of course Oscar Allen hasn't been able to get out there yeah I want to see more footy in him he needs footy of course he does. Yeah. He can't be captain now. No, no. He hasn't played. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Oscar Allen's next year has to be a year of recovery and consolidation. Um, but I do wonder whether they were just trying to buy another year out of Luke to get Oscar to a point where they could make a call on him. The other one is Liam Duggan. Um, I guess the question with Liam Duggan is, Liam Duggan is, I'm told Liam Duggan sets a lot of the standards around training and preparation and, and clearly set standards around effort in games. You know, Liam Duggan's the last bloke to put the tools down when they're having a bad day. So all that points to him being an option. Is he a good enough player to be a captain? That's probably a marginal call. Like you Is want, it, Does it really matter? If yeah, he's good, I think he's good enough to be out there week to week and, as you say, the last person to do the, put the tools down. Yeah, I mean, worst fault. 
wasn't clearly in their top five players out in the field, but maybe in their top five most important. Worst five was an All-Australian yeah. in 1988. Is Liam Duggan ever likely to be an All-Australian player? Yeah, bit different position, pretty hard to break in from where he is. Well, he's half-back flank. Yeah. Wusher was a half-back flanker. Yeah, true. So, yeah, I, it's a... It's an interesting one. James I mean, changed a bit, the, the halfback flankers now, don't you reckon, from what they were? Yeah. You know. I mean, look, Toby Nankervis, is Toby Nankervis a high-flying superstar at Richmond? No, he's probably not, but they chose him as captain. There are examples around the competition of just a solid citizen, a bloke who represents the values. Um, ben McAvoy at Hawthorne, had he been able to get out, out there and play? It's probably another example. He's out there this week. We'll get onto that later. Yeah. He's coming back. Yeah. Um, but it is, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? We should pick some winners, mate, before we, we get on to our mail for this week. Starting with Apparently a... Apparently there's a game somewhere tonight. It's massive. So, Melbourne versus Geelong. At? GMHBA Which makes it interesting. In our tipping panel, now I picked Melbourne with great trepidation, but I've picked them. And a lot of our tipping panel did as well. I'm surprised there weren't more Geelong. There were a few Geelong in there, smattering, but I'm surprised at GMHBA. They have looked more vulnerable there in recent years, though. They have. For a long time, Geelong's record at Geelong was very lopsided, but they tended to get interstate teams there, and it's always hard to win interstate, and they tended to get the weaker Melbourne teams there. So the lopsided win-loss was a bit determined by who they were playing down there, and I think... Every now and again, an interstate club's bobbed up and bought great effort and intensity there and given them a clip. Fremantle did this year. Fremantle did in the final down mm. there. West Coast in 2006, that famous come-from-behind win. Good teams can go and there Brisbane and have gone very close there as well. And uh, Melbourne beat them last year to win the minor premiership. Uh, interesting round 23 last year with Max Gorn kicking the goal after the siren. Going linking into the preliminary final where Geelong was well beaten, but we found out afterwards there's a virus had gone through the team. So there's a bit of recent history there. Big ins too. So gone in first time about five weeks, and Jackson back. Geelong, the Warrior, Joel Selwood and Sam DeConing, very important player, Sam DeConing. Joel Selwood is he the Rafael Nadal of footy? Yes. Do you see? Rafa last night, we'll just digress onto tennis just for a second. We're not going to talk about the other bloke. Rafa Nadal, who I don't like. Uh, Rafa Nadal, he was on his last legs last night. His father was in the stands waving his arm saying it's okay to give up. And he said, no, nah, I'm not giving up. Found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't know whether he's going to play in the semifinal. I suspect with two slams under his belt this year, he'll play. Yep. If they wheel him out in a wheelchair, he'll play. Yeah. Um, he, Joel Selwood reminds me of him. He just he looks battered and bruised when he runs out onto the park. Yeah, he's, a, he's a warrior, isn't he? He's a warrior, yeah. There's been – every team has got one of them to yeah. some degree. Um, you know, if you go back to the old West Coast days, worst fold was that, I think. Um, you know, who else? Who's, who was Hawthorne? Oh, well, Luke Hodge in recent times would, would typify that, I think. Jude Bolton at yeah. Sydney. Um, Jude was probably the reason they bought in concussion – <laughs> protocols because there was time when Jude was running around not knowing whether he was Arthur or Martha really yeah, I yeah. guess with a name like Jude you could get confused yeah, but anyway <laughs> but Melbourne Melbourne Geelong it's a tough one to pick yeah well, I'm going Melbourne but I'm really worried about my tip so a dollar ninety one a piece yeah that's that's pretty fair so that's what tab touch has got it at um, I'm tipping Melbourne I just 
I have a feeling that Melbourne still has another gear, and I have a feeling that if they're going to hit that gear, it probably starts now. You know, have a dismissal of a rival, beat them at their home on their home dunghill, and really put a dent in their belief that they can beat you. Comes one v two. If Geelong can't get it done against Melbourne at home, can they win the flag? Well, they can because the grand finals played in September, mm-hmm. not in July. But be a big statement by Melbourne performances. Though. Um, can sometimes stay with you. See, I find it difficult to get a read on Geelong and Richmond. Everyone's saying they're the teams that will challenge Melbourne. But Fremantle went to Geelong and beat Geelong without five key players. So that sticks in my mind about Geelong. And and Richmond's early season form sticks in my mind a little bit with them. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm still in the yet-to-be-convinced category with both Geelong and Richmond. I'm not discounting them, but... I do think there's a bit of proving to do. So that. one year, I'll tell you who I'm not yet. I'm I am very much convinced about is Isaac Smith, who plays his 250th game tonight. Been a great player and a good pickup to Geelong. Yeah. I was a bit dubious about that. An aging team picking up a, an aging midfielder. He has been so important to them with that absolutely that run and carry from the the wing, but also beautiful kicking, the penetration in, inside 50 with those twin targets up there. They must have loved seeing Isaac Smith up there further up the ground gathering the football. Well, also, to be a great player now, you have to be a great runner. And Isaac Smith has always been a great runner. I think he won Hawthorne's time trial every year he was at the club, mm. which <laughs> it was, I think, maybe in his last year. I can't remember who. Maybe he, he was handed over the baton in his last year at Hawthorne. Just to tell you what, it would be a hot time trial down at Geelong. Oh, Mark, yeah. Mark Blitzev. Oh, yeah. Um, Sam Menegola used to win the one at Fremantle by half a lap. Blitzev, of course, is, has an athletics background. Yep. Would have been an Olympic steeplechaser. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a hot field, that one. All right. Sydney versus the Western Bulldogs. Uh, Sydney, $1.58 favourites with Tab Touch. The Western Bulldogs, $2.38. They've been pretty disappointing, the doggies. Um, so have Sydney in Sydney parts. have been a bit flaky recently. Yeah, but losing to Essendon last week, clinging on to eighth position, and the Dogs have to win this. Yep. But, you know, I was just having a look at the Dogs last week. The thing about them is they look fantastic when they got the ball. When they don't have the ball, they cough up a lot. When they cough up a turnover, they don't regather. And um, the opposition, if you look at the opposition's um, uncontested marks, it's off the chart. So they just don't work hard enough the other way, in my opinion. When they've got it, with Libba getting the, you know, getting it out at um, from the contest, they look a million dollars. So they've really got to address that. They've had their injury worries, but that's what's disappointed me about the dogs the most. When you look back, when you replay their games, it's just there's no the run the other way isn't there. I'm going to pick Sydney. Uh, I just think at home, dogs have been flaky. Sydney have been they tend to re- rebound pretty well after a disappointment. They need to. They've been they've been scratchy for. Or a are they of weeks where now. they should be? They're, uh, they're a relatively young squad. Well, there's not much between second and tenth. Is there? I think the dogs should be top four. I think Sydney are around about where they should be. Yeah. I'm going to tip Sydney. Yeah. Um, SCG. But the dogs have had big games at the SCG before, so don't rule them out just on venue. But I think it's a, this is a big game for there Sydney. There you go. I'm, I'm, I'm none from two already. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse, is there, going into a Saturday and you're none from two? Well, I'm tipping you'll be one from three. Collingwood versus North Melbourne. Oh. Collingwood are a dollar one, and North Melbourne are $14. More... Upheaval and unrest at um, 
at North Melbourne, you had a, a, a key coterie member come out, basically question the club, question whether David Noble should still be there, question whether they're doing enough to, to right the yules of the club at the moment. This is tough. It's a great saying by my old colleague, our old colleague, Luke Morfess. He says, being down the bottom of the ladder is like being the sick chook in the chook yard. Everyone gets to take a peck. <laughs> and Have you ever had chooks? Yes. It's quite cruel. I have too. It's cruel the way they behave. Yes, um, but they give you eggs. So. They do. <laughs> Very important. Um, everyone's taking a peck at I North Melbourne at the I moment. I don't think anyone's going to pick North Melbourne this week. No. What are, what are the, what's the price for Collingwood, by the way, in North? dollars. $14. What's the line? The line is at 57 points. Yeah, okay. So, a bit, Look, Collingwood have been super, super impressive this year. I'm stunned by their performance this year. So, well done to Craig McRae. Clearly has set the agenda there. Everyone's bought in. We talked about Dacos on Tuesday. I think he's a chance to be All-Australian. I really do. Uh, as well as he'd be daylight second for the Rising Star. He'd be a dollar one for the Rising Star yeah, at the yeah, moment. Yep. He could get injured now and still win the yeah, Rising Star. That's right. Yes, he could. So Collingwood for me. Impact. Yep, Collingwood for me. Gold Coast versus Richmond. This is at Metricon. So Gold Coast marginal favourites, $1.87. Richmond are $1.93. No Dusty. Yeah, how long is he out for? So they're saying possibly next week, I think. Like they say that in the past when he's had injuries like this, he's played after one week off. Of course, there is a bit of nonsensical half-truths talked when a big player goes out and they've got big games approaching and the clubs try and get the other team thinking about, oh, well, Dusty might get up for Mm. the game against us. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. But uh, right now... Don't expect him to play this weekend, but he's, according to them, a chance to play next weekend. I'm picking Gold Coast, which I would not have done. 12 months ago, I'd be calling myself stupid. But I think at Metricon, I'm going to go the Mark Duffield theory here. At Metricon, uh, different proposition. And Richmond uh, have been unconvincing when the challenge has been on. Yep, I'm going Gold Coast. Gold Coast pretty much has to win in from here to play finals. So this is... You know, they've been playing pseudo-elimination finals for the last two this weeks. This is sort of like a final for them, I reckon. This, this it's a is, big statement game, isn't it? This is the final final. Yeah, it's a statement game, though. You beat Richmond, it's the new breed coming through. Look out for us next year. They did enough to, to beat Collingwood last week, but they stopped playing 10 minutes from the end and tried to hang on. And they're a young group. so and that was will, a mistake. And, but that's part of the learning curve, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, more games like more performances like that. They won't do that again. So this is a good challenge for Stuart Dew to get them regrouped and fired up, as opposed to demoralised by what's happened over the last two weeks. And I like the timing of the appointment of his two-year extension too. Yep, won't hurt their cause at all. I'm going to go with the Suns. Yep. Um, it is very close though, very very close. All right, the next one's a close one too. We think St Kilda versus Fremantle. St Kilda are a dollar eighty-seven favourites. Fremantle are a dollar ninety-three. What say you, Glenn Quarter? I say Frio winning this at Marvel Stadium, but I do like the Saints at Marvel Stadium. Uh, I'm going to be intrigued by the middle midfield battle. St Kilda beat Carlton 15-10 at the centre clearances last week. It was a smashing. And um, so Frio need to pick their boots up a little, pull their socks up a little bit. Uh, Fife, does he play more midfield this week? No. No? Where does he play? He plays forward. Okay. plays the same role. I, I thought that was 
um, really terrific the way that panned out from last week. It wasn't the reason why Port Adelaide were able to storm back into the game at the end. Um, I think Port Adelaide got assertive and got on the fly and, and Fremantle lost control of the game around the stoppage. But they controlled the game very well around the stoppage for the bulk of the, the match. Plan A for me is five forward again for Fremantle. Try and stretch the St Kilda defence. Try and create not necessarily a match-up advantage with five, but a match-up advantage with, say, um, if Tabiner plays or if Rory Lobb plays. So Tabiner's come... Dodged a bullet, hasn't he? Looked like he'd done another string, and it looks like he's a chance. The way they were testing it on the side of the field suggested that he was worried about it, but it hadn't necessarily done anything. Um, that's what that the way they were testing it. That's what that told me. So I'm not overly surprised that there's no okay. structural damage. Um, but having said that, it's still a concern that this is bothering him so late in the season with so many um, issues with his hamstring in the past. Um, I'm going St Kilda. I think this is okay. a, this is a venue game. Um, if Fremantle's form coming in was a little bit stronger, I might be uh, tilting the other way. But I think Fremantle, it's not a flat spot, but they're about one gear below their absolute best, I reckon. And I reckon to beat St Kilda at Marvel Stadium, they'd need to be at their absolute best. Get a below St Kilda. Absolutely. Would not be at all surprised if Fremantle gets up and wins. All right. Port Adelaide versus GWS. Port Adelaide $1.37. GWS $3.10. Now, if Mark McVeigh is to stand a chance of being the next GWS coach, these are the games. It would do his cause no harm. You, I'm going to pick Port. It, it's a venue tip for me. Yeah. I thought Port was pretty impressive last week, the way they came back. Looked like they were gone. Yeah. And found a way, well, found not only to get back into the game, but actually nearly pull off a miracle win. So I like their form. Um, GWS untrustworthy, but you're right. Should they pull off a win here? Big statement for McVeigh. Massive statement. Um, but I, I'm not going to pick them. Well, I don't blame you. Mm. I'm going to pick Port Adelaide, but yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, I had this discussion with someone from a club the other day. If you were a young coach, which list would you want? You'd definitely want GWS's list. Given well, that, I don't mind Gold Coast at the moment, you know? No, no, I'm talking about of the ones that are likely to want coaches, which Gold Coast is yeah, now okay, they they're out of yeah. running. Okay. Um, there's some talent at North Melbourne, mm. and you're coming off a low base, so any improvement... Can't lose. You can't go any... You can only go up at North. Yep. But, gee, you wouldn't mind inheriting a midfield. I'd with, love to inherit that midfield. And look, well, you look at what McVeigh's done, okay? The two big moves among... I mean, they've gone um, probably playing a bit more attacking. I think... Later stages of Cameron's tenure, they were um, always a contested side, but their inside 50 entries were really all over the place. Yeah. Which was really um, unusual for a side highly skilled. Yeah, I, I didn't get that about them. I, I always wondered whether they were playing in the manner that best suited them. Which they seem to be more of, and I like the switch of Himmelberg back. Uh, interestingly, I think after the, he did that for the first time, Leon Cameron sent him a bit of a cheeky text saying, how long have you been hiding that one up your sleeve? Right? <laughs> so it was in good, good humour. It wasn't to having a crack, but I thought that was funny. And also Cornelio, who's struggled in recent years, been playing forward, back into the midfield, and he's, his form's been pretty good. So I just wonder whether... You know what? Everyone talks about the deeper your midfield, the better. I wonder whether it gets to a point where you have too many and maybe the GWS should look at the contracts. Clearance sale? 
and and work out which one or two they can possibly lose. So Taranto, the, the buzz around Taranto is that he's looking t- to Melbourne. Yeah. So I know a club that would put their hand up for him. Uh, yes. Well, I'm told that your boys are the front runner for Carl Amon mm. from Port Adelaide. Him. Yeah, I'd rather have Taranto. So would I. I'll have them both. Bit of grunt. Uh, so look, I I think um, I like what he's done. I think they're three and three from six. So he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, Port Adelaide though for me in this yep. one. All right, Brisbane versus Essendon at the Gabbatoir. Brisbane are a dollar eighteen. Essendon are four dollars eighty. Can the Bombers turn up again, or is this too big enough? Oh, they can turn up again, but they won't be winning. Right, Brisbane wins this game. What was your view on Hipwood? Uh, it's probably where you thought it would be. It was either nothing or a big sentence. I thought it. I still I, no. I I think it was neither one thing nor the other. Yeah. So to me, they established a level of culpability, not intent, but a level of culpability for carelessness, and yet they still only made it a fine. To me, they either accepted that it was a complete accident, and it was so basically nothing, and basically nothing, or it had to be deemed more serious. Yeah, I, I would have been comfortable with a week, as I said. But anyway, we, we move on. They wanted to. I'm, I'm pleased yeah, I'm pleased for them that he's playing. Good player. Yeah, I think the behind the goals footage helped him. Because if you watch the behind the goals footage, clearly it shows that Gardner tries to block his path inside attacking 50. And I think it also shows that when Hipwood pushes him, the umpire's not quite aligned. So Hipwood has reason to believe that when he pushes Gardner, he will miss the umpire Mm. and not blunder into him. Now, Hipwood said he didn't see the umpire. Uh, Yep. And there's a tooth fairy and a flat earth. Oh, well, the other exactly. And the thing is, there's a duty of care. You you should be going to the workplace as an umpire, expecting not to have contact with a player or serious contact with a player. I didn't like it, but we move on. I'm picking Brisbane. They should win by plenty. Brisbane comfortably. I'm concerned about Brisbane though. I think Brisbane's uh, position on the ladder is a little misleading, and I think Brisbane needs to start playing their best footy, and they need to start playing it quickly. Yeah, I, I don't mind them. I actually think. They're more of a challenger than Geelong. They've just got to get it right. They're, they're a bit slow in the back half, but there's a lot of upside for Brisbane, and I think it's a watch out in the in the, in the run to the final. I think they need to tweak something. Yeah. Now, it may only be one thing, but they need to tweak something because right now there's something missing in their style of play. Mm. But they're still hanging on. So Hawthorne versus Adelaide. Hawthorne are $1.53, Adelaide $2.50. Will your boys... Finally get something done, Glenn. If they want to win, Duff, I'm questioning whether they want to win. Last week looked like, it just looked to me, and taking nothing away from GWS, but looked to me like four goal loss. Yeah, that, that, yeah we'll keep that. We'll keep a win at arm's length. Just looked like that to me. I might be wrong. What I'm happy about this week is big boys return. So McAvoy comes back into the side, very important. I was reading a bit about it today, actually. He had that neck injury, which really affected his right arm. So for the early part of his recovery, couldn't move his right arms, copped a bit of crap from the boys in the gym because he couldn't press weights. He, was, he said, I was like a first-year player. I just couldn't – this feeble arm. But he's got full 100% use of it now, feels good. Uh, I'd probably see him playing on next year and then maybe looking at um, – uh, calling it quits, I think the captaincy will be handed over next year, and I think it will be handed over to James Sicily. James Sicily. James Sicily is a very good player. Um, he can... oh, look, I'm picking them to win. I think they'll beat Adelaide. I think it's a um, look. It's a Mar- it's Marvel Stadium, so it's a bit of a venue tip. It's Melbourne. Um, I think Sam Mitchell needs a win. Yeah, absolutely. They've been disappointing in the last. Yeah, month. They have. They Hawthorne. have. I, I think that um, 
He needs to, you know, get him to stand up and get something done. I'm tipping Hawthorne. All right, West Coast versus Carlton. This is at Optus Stadium on Sunday. Carlton $1.38 favourites, West Coast $3.05. I'm tipping Carlton. I don't think West Coast is without hope here. Agree. I, yeah, think, I'm picking- I, I think West Coast is... I'm tipping this will be inside 20 points. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, interesting, JK, coming back, playing against his original club. We've got an interesting mail, so we'll address that in a little while about his farewell tour. But uh, this could be a vintage Josh Kennedy performance playing against his old team. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of opportunities for West Coast in the run home. I think this is one of them. And I definitely think Hawthorne, I think at the G in a couple of weeks, is one of them for them to have a, a win. Um, they've been going okay the last month, West yeah, Coast. I think West Coast is a chance to win every game now. I oh, think, no. I think that, no, seriously. Final round against Geelong at GMHBA? Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I just think, Jeez. I, I mean, I don't expect them to. I won't be tipping them to. But I think they have a chance in every game. And I think this makes rounds 7 to 11 even more perplexing because they were through the worst of the COVID yeah, they still had some players out with injuries, but they were getting players back, and their performances in those games was bewildering. So round 22 will be interesting, the Frio Derby. Yeah, I reckon, look... Could make a bit of a... Could hurt Frio. And make no mistake, West Coast would enjoy nothing more. Oh, they'd more. love to, wouldn't their supporters? So love that'll that. be a grand final for them. Yeah. And if you're a West Coast fan, that's when you want them to stand up. You know, and, and really put their best foot forward. It will be Fremantle's home derby, which Fremantle will be relieved about, I think. But, um, yeah, I, I think West Coast will play some good footy between yeah, them. I, I agree with you. I'm picking West Coast, and I think it'll be inside 20... Uh, sorry, I'm picking Carlton, but I think it'll be inside 20 points. Yep. Yeah. Now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Thank you to Thirsty Camel and thank you to Jack Daniels' old number seven whiskey and cola cans. We're giving away a 10-pack for the best mail, best email. Thank you again. You're keeping them short. You're telling us you're from WA. That's what you need to do. This one from our friend Matthew Richardson, Richo from Hamilton Hill. It was great to hear Dion Wood's name get a mention during the last podcast as he was one of my favourite Frio players growing up. I completely forgot he only played 59 games before it was all over. It seemed as though he was around for a lot longer. It got me thinking about other players who never made it to 100 games. Players like Alan Jakovic and Adrian McAdam who exploded onto the scene but couldn't go on with it. Who are your favourite could-have-been players? Well, not necessarily could-have-been. I think I think uh, Adrian McAdam is a great example. 36 games, 92 goals. Interestingly, I was at the MCG with a mate of mine and they were playing, I think, North Melbourne v Collingwood and he was he had that great run. It was about round 11. Remember that year he just kept kicking goals? Yep. And he turned to me and he, I think he was on about 80 goals and he said he will not kick 100 goals in his career. It's a big call. And I said, are you serious? What, what are you on? He said, mate, he'll get found out. And finished on 92 goals. So hats off to him. His name's Cros. Well done. I had a look through it. I reckon the best under 100-game player, and these are freak statistics, the great John Coleman, as in the uh, Coleman medal, Essendon, 98 game stuff, 537 goals. Wow. He must have been some player. And, of course, he did a knee back in the days where if he did a knee, that was the end of that. So. And we lost him very early. Coached Essendon, um, Essendon very successfully. 
died of a heart attack at 44 years 44 of age. 44 years yeah, of age. Way yeah. too young. That's that's incredible. Alan Jakovic, 54 games, 208 goals. So he was explosive at Melbourne in those years. Uh, Daniel Menzel's a good one. Managed to... Uh, I'm surprised he got to 80 games, actually. Yeah. Poor kid. I mean, he just kept doing that knee, didn't he? Uh, and promised everything. Adrian McCadden, we mentioned. And I'm going to... Here's one from the past stuff. You probably haven't heard of this player. And being a Hawthorne man, I certainly have. His name is Richard Walter. He played 20 games, played 77 80, played in Hawthorne 78 Premiership. Super player. Very young, super, ruckman forward type. Did his knee, and that was pretty much the end of him. Uh, I tell you, I was at Princess Park about five years after that, standing in the outer having a beer. And this bloke was standing next to me, standing there having a beer. And I looked at him and I said, You're Richard Walter. And then I proceeded to tell him how big a fan, and he was a great player, and uh, and how how what a disappointment it was he couldn't go on with it. And he was he was just quite taken back and quite happy to hear that. So, Look at you go, yes, Richard Walter. Um, I'm just scanning the AFL tables website here because I'm looking for a name that I believe is a bloke who kicked about 14 goals in his first two games. Yep, his name was Darren Cuthbertson. I reckon he kicked seven on debut. He might have kicked six the next week. He played for Melbourne. And then he disappeared into the ether. I, I seriously doubt he got to 100 games. Mm. I'm not too sure. Wait. Another one who was a very good player was um, a former West Coast player, played at um, centre-half forward in their first preliminary final team, Stephen Jackson. Yeah. Stephen Jackson was a great player, was not known for his work ethic, <laughs> it must be said. Um very famous oh, yeah. speech by Mick Mulhouse. <laughs> can we, can we, uh, we might have to uh, just water it down a little bit. So basically they used to do warm-ups uh, and Jacko used to go and sit in the toilets and read comics <laughs> when they were doing their warm-ups and Mick Mulhouse was stalking the room one day and realised that um, they were one man shy and was trying to work out who it was and finally worked out that uh, it might have been Stephen Jackson, asked where he was, was told where he was by the very amused teammates who watched him get away with it for a while. He's reading Mad Magazine in the Cubicle 3. My understanding is that the speech went something like, um, when you die on your headstone, it will read, here lies Stephen Jackson and then a series of expletives. <laughs> Yes, it's a great quote, isn't it? So Darren Cuthbertson played uh, about 30 games. Now, these are his first games, right? Goals. He kicked two on debut, two the next week, none the third week, then seven, seven, five, and two. Was he a small forward? He was kind of like a medium forward for Melbourne. Mm. I'm trying to recall. What era was that? This was going back to... 90s, early 90s? Uh, either 90s or... Yes, 91, 92 and 93. Yeah. Mm. Um, he probably was around when Alan Jakovic arrived and probably got shunted to the side of it. He was 185 centimetres, 80 kilograms, could take a hanger. I think he had a couple of mark of the year contenders in yeah. those early games and then just disappeared into nowhere. So it was... Once spoke to Andy Lovell about him. Remember Andy Lovell? That chopper, for, chopper, chopper, son Lovell, of the wood chopper. Yep, that played for Melbourne and West, West Coast, Coast. And asked him about him, and he said, "Yeah, he said he got a bit ahead of himself, um, Darren Carpenter, and and uh, just disappeared into nowhere." But he was uh, he was a pretty handy player in yeah. his early footy. 
That's a good call. Uh, this one from Julian Lopez. Hey, gents, the industry talk regarding David Noble is that he will no longer be coach of North at season's end. It is also evident from a neutral perspective that the North players lack motivation. Is it at all possible Leon Cameron is the man for the job at North next year? Say what you want about Leon and his tactics as a coach. There is one indisputable fact. He is a great motivator and game day coach. North need this type of coach more than anything. They could do worse. He, um, I just looked at his record, actually. 193 games, 101 wins, 88 losses and four draws. 52.3%. It's not bad. Yeah, it's a good win. Grand life. final, couple of prelims. Pretty good list. Yeah. He did have a good list, but, you know, has anyone done better? He's there for a long time, I guess, but... Uh, I don't know. I thought his record was pretty solid. Well, he inherited it from Sheeds. Left at the right time. Yeah. Um, one, an interesting one that Kane Corns has um, raised, which I reckon has some merit, that wh- whoever the coach is, they should get um, Mark Williams there as an assistant coach. Yeah, good call. Get his knowledge. Great job at Melbourne. Get his ability to teach young players, um, his ability to bring young players along with him for the ride. I think all those things would be great assets for the North Melbourne Football Club if they got Choco Williams on board. Uh, from Uncle Vinny, g'day Duff and Quarters. Further to Tuesday. There used to be a, a foodery in Northbridge called Uncle Vinny's. This is Vincent Sturgeon. This guy was clearly Italian. Uh, the chili mussels at Uncle Vinny's were a very good late night. Was this Northbridge, did you say? Northbridge. Whereabouts? Uh, it used to be on... Now somewhere near Elephant and Wheelbarrow up there? It was on that street for a while. I reckon then, I've eaten there. And then it moved, yeah. They're probably a 3am feed, so pretty hard to remember. They definitely did the 3am feed, <laughs> yep. Uh, Further to Tuesday's mailbag regarding the ridiculous and time-consuming nature of school reviews, I would like to get your opinion of a rugby or soccer-style idea where if it hits the post but still crosses the goal line, it's still a goal. As much as I am against constant rule changes, I think this could be an exciting new idea and would do away with any and all confusion around hitting the post or brushing the post like we are starting to see more of. Thoughts? So what about if it hits the post and bounces back into play? Is it play on? Yeah, I like that idea. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I'll tell you what I do like. Uh, at Origin a couple of weeks ago here, uh, night game, great spectacle. When um, there was a try scored and a conversion, the goals lit up. It's, it was fantastic. I reckon Optus Stadium, it could do a lot. You kick a goal, the goals light up in your team's colours. Uh, Neil Maxwell, the player manager, uh, manager of Michael Hussey, he owns the rights to that. He was actually at the Origin game. Yeah, right. And uh, I like the idea. Yeah, that's okay. I, what I, I tell you what is annoying me, and this probably came across in the podcast on Tuesday, these... Yeah, may have been a thin edge, may have grazed someone's fingers, have to sit there for 30 seconds watching them replay backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. I don't care. We've taken it to the letter too much, haven't we? I just don't care. The big plays, yes. The goal, I think goal line touches, yes, but I, I think I tend to agree with you. If it's 50 metres out and it looks like it might have touched the well, end mate, of it. mate, if it grazes the post and the ball doesn't clearly deviate, I don't care. You know, like it's gone on the inside of the post. So... I, I kind of half support that guy's idea that if it deviates off the post but crosses the line, then it's a goal. If it goes the other side, then it's a point. But I would argue if it bounces back into play, it's not play on. That's 
This one from Curtis from Wandy. Do you think the Rory Lobb potential trade saga will have an effect on Frio's flag tilt? He's still contracted for 2023, so surely it's either getting Jackson and or getting a decent pick for Lobb. Otherwise, Frio keep him to his contract for 2023. If I'm Fremantle, I'm... My f- Position A is Rory, you're a contracted player. He's been a very good player for them this year. He was terrific last week. Yeah, so position A is you are contracted for 2023. Mm. Now, if someone comes with the right offer, if the right offer enabled you to get a trade for Luke Jackson or helped you get the Luke Jackson trade done, if Luke Jackson decides he wants to come home and he decides the Fremantle is the club he wants to go to, none of those are givens. Um, but if, if those things happen, then... Rory Lobb becomes tradable at that point. But to me, position A, plan A for Fremantle is Rory, you have a contract, mate. It's not often you see Alir Alir turned around, is it? He did a good job last week. He did. He got good delivery too. I think there's a good understanding building between Rory Lobb and the Fremantle mids. And Rory knows when to come hard up at the ball and he knows when to hang back and, and give the contest. And I think that's it, it would be an interesting decision for Rory to want to leave again. Rory is playing career-best footy. Yeah, I agree with that. Career-best footy. Absolutely. And I'm also interested in the notion that Griffin Logue might be on the move because Griffin Logue is playing career-best footy as well. Mm. To me, when you're playing career-best footy, you stay put. That's just my view. But anyway... This one from Brad Brown. Greetings from hot and humid Charlotte, home of the IPAs, and not that far from the home of Jack Daniels' old number seven. So no prize for me, I'm afraid. Uh, so it's another year, another team with continued struggles and another crop of ex-players from that club lobbying for the coveted priority pick, the free hit. Fair income, isn't, t- isn't it time just to put a bullet through the concept? It has rarely ever had a lasting effect on the team, but has had one, not never, but rarely. And the only thing that it is guaranteed to do is to compromise the draft again. It's just a lazy reward for ineptitude and in a draft system where last is definitely getting first pick, um, i.e. no lottery such as the NBA or the MLB as of 2023, prolonged tanking, playing the kids, shutting a bloke down, etc., whatever you want to call it, ultimately pays off via the rewarding of a priority pick. If he didn't live in Charlotte, I'd almost give him the clubhouse lead there. I love that email. Couldn't agree with him more. I hate priority picks. What Get about, rid of them. What about if they gave them an extra priority pick in the preseason draft? Don't like them in any circumstance. Well, I'll give you a reason why that's a good idea. So a couple of reasons. One, that it would enable them to shift an un- uncontracted player, maybe two uncontracted players from another club, ha- help get a quick hit to their playing stocks. Two, it would prevent clubs from taking players from them without trading meaningfully. So if you had two picks at the top end of the preseason draft, you would end the wildebeest theory where mm-hmm. everyone comes and picks on the carcass. Um, I reckon that put your priority picks in the preseason draft. If they don't get anything out of it, so be it. But it, it may be damage limitation for the club that's on the bottom of the ladder. I like he does actually go on here. Um, it's quite a long email, but um, he, he he I like his suggestion here. He'd prefer some soft cap relief, which I don't mind. So you're helping the players. You're helping to get more coaching and teaching around the players. I don't mind that either. See, the problem with North Melbourne is can North Melbourne afford to spend more on the soft cap? Not if they lose that three mil from mm. Tassie, they can't. No, no. Uh, this one from Joel Yeldon from Perth. Uh, Duff, you left us hanging. Why don't you expect Logue to stay? He seems well invested with his pod and his mates. He seems to think Perth is the best place given what he regularly says. And what would we get from him, do you and Quarters think? 
and would you rest Mundy? I'm not saying Griffin Lowe's going. Yeah. I'm saying that he's a chance to go. He's not signed yet. He's put um, talks on hold until the end of the season uh, officially. Now, I don't know whether there's stuff going on behind the scenes. Maybe there is. Often they put talks on hold, but talks do continue between player and club um, on some basis as the season goes on. Um, to me, as I just said about three minutes ago, to me, both Griffin Logue and Rory Lobber playing career-best footy. So you wouldn't want to, if you were them or their manager, you would not want them to shift somewhere else and not play as well because that would indicate some A, a bad decision by the player and B, not a great decision so by the So his pick manager. eight 2016, what would he be worth? It depends on how badly you want him. I mean, if you're looking at where he is at the moment, he's a second rounder. Yeah, early though, I think. But if you're looking at a Western Bulldogs who desperately need a tall He would be fantastic for them. So he might be their first round draft pick. I'll segue into this one, this one from Luca. Um, uh, lots of speculation on the future of Lobb at the club with whispers about his departure to a Melbourne club. With Tabiner's current injury inconsistencies, what are your thoughts on a package of Lobb and Tabiner deal to Melbourne for Luke Jackson? He's from Cottesloe. Uh, that is an interesting one. Mm. Um, so Melbourne's in the window right now. Now, are they going to be in the window in three years' time? Maybe, maybe not. Can they keep... No, they won't be. Can they keep Taverner and Lobb going for three years? Maybe. That's an interesting one. I suspect that it might be those two and a first-round draft pick. So you're giving up a lot. You're basically giving away three players to get one back. And we don't yet know what Luke Jackson's going to be. Lobb, Taverner and a first-round draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Well, Luke Jackson's going to cost you two first-round picks, isn't he? Mm-hmm. If you're Melbourne, what are you asking for for Luke Jackson? Two first round picks, or a first, yeah, or a first round pick and a couple of handy players that satisfy your needs. So maybe that gets it done, but it's three into one. And, and West Coast found out with Tim Kelly that doesn't work. Doesn't work very often. Mm. Have you noticed quarters over history? Generally speaking, the team that wins on the trade is the team that loses the player. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's not even an argument as well, to who won well, on the Josh Kennedy question. No, there's not. I was actually interesting that because we're going into a Josh Kennedy question. Who's ahead on the Adam Chera trade right now? Yeah, fair call, fair call. And I think yes, you did take the Josh Kennedy. And deal, that's before you? Matt Johnson's even played a game. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Frio love what they saw about Matt Johnson in the preseason. So, you know, clubs do these trades, but. History says, as often as not, the team that loses the player wins on the trade. This one from Dwight from Wagen. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. Was just interested in your comments on Josh Kennedy and thought I'd add a small insight. Josh Kennedy was down in Wagen on the Tuesday before the Eagles buy. He took the local men's team for training and also all the young kids in town before that. During question time, where he was surrounded by 50 kids, he was asked about his future. Can you just imagine it? You can picture it, can't you? And he replied that this was his last year and he expected to play a maximum of six games in the last half of the year. He is an absolute champion, and although myself and the family are all massive Docker supporters, it was good to see such a champion in real life and for him to grace our small town with a visit. Very good email. Um, I looked at the draw, and you look at, I think it's imminent that he's going to announce a farewell tour, right? So you look at it. It seemed that this week against Carlton would have been an ideal week to bow out, being his first club. But you've got opportunities to win against Hawthorne, 
you've got. I think we can put a line through round twenty three at G. You wouldn't want to finish your career at G, in GMHBA, would you? Well, I wouldn't. But no. I'm not Josh Kennedy. So more likely round twenty two, the Derby, the yep. home, the the away Derby, the Frio home Derby. Yeah, I think that'll be his farewell game. It well, be, his farewell game will be round twenty one, won't it? Because that's in front of the West Coast fans. Yeah, that'll be his farewell game, but his last game. Yeah, you'd want to play in the last Derby, wouldn't you? If I'm if, if you're able. Yeah, if you're able. That knee's pretty ripe, I'm told. Adam Simpson, we asked Adam Simpson about him on the radio um, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, there have been times, he said, where a racehorse, you would have put the curtain around him. <laughs> so clearly that knee's not great, and clearly it's prevented him from playing a couple of times this year. But um, great, great player, and hopefully he gets the finish he deserves. Uh, this one from Sam from Sydney. Just wondering your thoughts on Harry Mackay. Personally, I think he's one of the most overrated key forwards going around. How could he ever be highly rated and highly paid when he can barely kick? If you can cover his left side and force him to lead to the right, then at best he'll be kicking one in three, considering he'll have to kick a drop punt. Imagine in a big final if he needed to kick a goal after the siren to win. He'd be in all sorts not being able to run around. P.S., I don't understand this. Does Quarters write his stories with a gold pencil to trick his mind into thinking he has bigger hands? I've I got no idea. The what gold that pencil's means. really small. I don't. Know. Anyway, it's quite funny. Well done, Sam. Um, just not quite sure what you meant, but we take it on board. Of all, you know what? Of all the young key forwards, Harry Mackay would be my first pick. Thirty-one seventeen from twelve games this year. It's not woeful inaccuracy, um, and there's plenty of forwards who, who are one-sided. Plenty of them. So I don't know. I don't agree with that. I don't think he's underrated you know what I, or overrated. You know what I, I like about him? Big body. Yeah. And and Hard that, to play on. So Max King, wonderful talent, may be the best of all of them. Same with Ben, you know, basically the same player. Max as King at ground level is astonishingly good. Uh, Aaron Norton, wonderful fly yeah. for Marks. Not a great kick. It's getting better. Um, so there are a few good ones around, but I love the big, strong body. And the harder they are to match up again, the more valuable. Yeah. Because yeah. you're having nightmares the night before thinking about what you're going to do. And his form's a part of that Twin Towers, doesn't he, down there? So yeah, I and, like him. And, and a great foil to Charlie Kerner, who incidentally of all those players is the most exciting. So where do we go this week? Do we uh, – who, who gets your vote? Or is it Tuesday's clubhouse leader, Jesse, talking about the uh, review, goal review? I'm sort of leaning towards that because it's been a bit of a common thread. Tuesday and Thursday. I like Jesse. So, Jesse, you win the um, the prize this week. Please send your details to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hopefully, we have tipped you a winner, and hopefully, your team goes well this weekend. We will be back on Tuesday to run the ruler over the round. Um, we've been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, choose Tab Touch, better your bet, and download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. And thank you very much to uh, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops for sponsoring our email of the week with Jack Daniels, number seven. Old number seven. Old number seven, whiskey and cola. I'm going to have to try some. I'm not a whiskey and cola man. Let's do it this weekend. I'm going to have to give it a go. I won't be here next week. I'm having a week's break. Sorry to drop that on you. 
but I might try some while I'm down in the good south. Might make your hands grow. I'm down in the good south, down at Dunsborough next week on yep. a bit of a holiday. You'll need bigger hands to hold on to it after a few of them. Oh, it never troubled me in the past. <laughs> good bottle skills. That's right. All right, we'll be back on Tuesday. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.